Good morning, Shays Mountain. How are you doing today? You say you're glad I'm back, but you hadn't heard me preach yet, so I might want to hold that off. No. Hey, listen, I got a text this morning, and someone sent me a text, and he said, uh, hey, is this the first time that you've been back to preach uh, except for a funeral? And I said, yes, it is. I'm a little nervous at the end of, this, uh, end of the service. I'm going to say, now, if you'll join the family, we'll be at the gravesite. So uh, if I do that, just pass it over. He's moving up in years. Hey, it is so great to uh, be here and to be back in this church. This is uh, just an incredible church. And uh, I'm excited about all that, that uh, has happened with George and, and with him pastoring. And uh, he called me a couple of months ago. And he said, we're in a series uh, dealing with leveraging, and we're going to lead up into the uh, uh, global impact catalyst. And he says, in the midst of that, I-, I would love for you to preach about the origins of LiveScent. You know, we talk about it, we use it, but kind of how did it all, all get started? So I agreed to do that. And so that's what today is going to be. It's like the origin of LiveScent. Where did that come from? And we will pull back the cover and unveil the mystery today. Now, I just want to ask you a favor. Now, for the, about the first few minutes, you just got to hang with me because we're going to kind of show you how the sausage was made. And then once we get down to Live Scent, we're going to break it down. And uh, I think we walk out of here, not only will we have a, maybe even a, even a better understanding for all of us as to what it means, but how we can put it in our own life. Okay, are we ready? The origin of LiveSim. Um, I contacted a company by the name of Oxano who will go into churches and sit down with them and say, let's just sort of redream, reimagine. And uh, we wanted to do this. And it was in 2015. And it says, we're going to talk about everything. And when it's all over, why don't you have a mission statement, core values, measurables, a direction, and they even have me do an over the, beyond the horizon 10-year plan, you know, for the church. And so we put together 15 staff members, and we met over a year. And in order to get to the point of live sent, we had about five meetings. So if you had, uh, let's say, eight-hour days, 15 people, you multiply that, that's 120 times five, that's 600 man hours. We invested about 600 man hours and they want us to look at everything. Look at the community, dissect the community. What are the unique needs? What are the resources that they have? Look at the history of the church. Where are your strengths? What are your passions? Uh, What are all the resources that you have here? And so the bottom line is to find how our church will glorify God and make disciples. And this is what you have to do. Looking at Shades Mountain, how will you glorify God and how will you make disciples? So we did this. And if we put all this information, we wrote on all these different boards and stuff, we come together and it says, you need to write an amplified sentence. That's just like the longest sentence you can come up with. So we took everything that we had, and this is the sentence we came up with in 2015. Shades Mountain exists to glorify God and make disciples. And then we had to come up with a verb that we felt was strong enough, and guess what we had? (laughs) by leveraging. Have y'all heard that word uh, around here at all? And it says by leveraging because we understood the power of that word. And then it's funny as we go through here, see what George is doing. He's taking that whole concept and going to a whole different level. And so this is by leveraging our resources, our money, our facilities, our people, leveraging our central location. 
In fact, if you go on the website, it says Shades Mountain sits at the inflection point of three Birmingham suburbs in just 10 minutes from downtown Birmingham. That's a great description. So we need to leverage our location. And then it says our influence. We have high capacity leaders in this church. We have community leaders in this church. We have just traditional influence leaders in this church. And we have a church influence. Good gracious, we've been around over 100 years. So there is influence that we have in the community just because of what Shades Mountain has done throughout the years. And then it says, how will we do this? We're going to leverage these three things and we're going to do it through three, three directions. Our goal-oriented passion for missions. And there was this passions for missions when we had a 2010 vision, a Touch the World 2015 vision. And it says, we are going with a passion for missions. And we put three words, uh, put sent, serve, and be. We're sent, we know that we're sent out, serve. We need to have a servant's heart to be willing to serve others. And then just be, we need to be Christ-like. And then we're going to build families and life change. So we're going to do this through missions. We want to build families and we want to see life change. So we did this amplified sentence. Then they came back and said, now you need to take it and make it a short phrase, a short phrase. Well, we made it as preachery as we could. We put a bunch of L's in it. And this is what we called it. Leading influencers to lower their guards. Let me step off the side to lower their guards. One of the things that all of the staff, when we looked at over the mountain, Vestavia, Hoover, uh, Homewood, over the mountain, when we looked at, um, at our community, we came up with a phrase, front yard, backyard. And that is, all our front yards look really good, but our backyards are kind of a mess. But you see, the only thing that people see is our front yards, which what that means is, on the outset, we look like we've got it all together. Our kids are great. They're doing well in school. They're the best on their team. They're the best cheerleader, the best dance person. Job, oh, it's great. Best job, doing good. Love the career. Everybody's happy. I mean, we're just wonderful. We're beautiful. But then when you get inside and you look in the backyard, you realize that it's not the way it appears. There's a lot of mess going on. There's hurts and there's struggles and there's challenges. And we all have that. But yet we want to make sure that we have a such a nice front, and that's our front yard. What our staff determined is we said we need to be leading influencers to lower their guards. We need to step out and be the ones that are transparent and the ones that are authentic. And to be able to come into a community and say, we don't have it all together. We've got hurts. We've got pains. We're still trying to figure this out. But we have a resource through Jesus Christ. And so one of our desires was leading influence to lower their guards leverage their resources, and live, sent, transform lives on mission. So they said, we like your phrase. Now you need to come down and put it in a mission statement, 10 words or less. So we did it with nine, okay? And this is the mission statement. Sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Distilled it. Sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. He said, that's good. Now what I want you to do is to come out and just put one word, tagline. Well, you know us, we made up a word uh, and we made it a hyphenated so that we could, <laughs> so we could make it one word. And the word we came up with was sent influencers. This is it, sent influencers. And that's good, but that's more of a descriptive term. Doesn't show a whole lot of action to it. So then we talked further and we came up with live sent. 
And that's the, where we parked. Because live sent has got an action part of it. So live sent. So what is, after all that we talked about, if you had to distill live sent down to three words, it would be these. Sending, transformation, and influence. Sending, transformation, and influence. And I want to talk about those three words. First word is sending. When Jesus was the night of his arrest and he was praying to the Father, he says in, in John chapter 17, verse 18, he says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. God sent Jesus into the world, down on the cross for our sins, to be raised to new life. He says, just as, Father, you've sent me, I have sent them. Three chapters later in John 20, when he comes to see after he's risen from the dead, he looks at the disciples and says, I'm sending you. We are commanded to be sent. And so live sent. It means to be so in tune with God that you are ready whenever he calls and wherever he sends. And I like that. I'm so in tune with God that I am ready whenever he calls and wherever he sends, this is who I am to be. So you look at that word sending. Jesus says you're sent. So I came up with this definition of sending. It is a purposeful parting with the resource that you possess. Don't let that pass you. Leave it for just a moment. Write it down or think about it. Purposeful parting with a resource that you possess. The President of the United States is the Commander-in-Chief of all of our military. And when there's a skirmish that happens somewhere, it says that the President is sending troops to that location. Now, he possesses the troops, but he has a purpose, and that is that somebody needs help. And so what he is doing, he's parting with his resource and sending them out to be able to help others. Sending. Purposeful parting with the resource that you possess. Now, for me, I, I understand it better uh, from a health standpoint. I grew up in the 1960s, and in the 1960s, whenever you had a sniffle or a cold or a sore throat, throat whatever, you did not go to the pharmacy and get three prescriptions and, and then get an over-the-counter to go on top of it. Nah. You just ate chicken noodle soup. I mean, chicken noodle soup. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a miracle. It's the miraculous cure. And all you have to do is start feeling sick, and all of a sudden your mom or dad's, hey, let's get the chicken noodle soup. Well, for some people, it would be going over to the AMP and, and uh, pick up uh, Campbell's chicken noodle soup. Nah, you don't want that. You want to get the homemade stuff. And it just so happened, it seemed like in every neighborhood, there was some lady there that she prided herself on her homemade chicken noodle soup. And yet God gave her an antenna to know if anybody got sick, doo -doo -doo, she'd find it. And she'd give him a call. Hey, hear your child's a little under the weather. How about me making up some chicken noodle soup? And then she will make that statement, and you know what she's going to say. What's she going to say? I'm going to send some chicken noodle soup over to you. I'm going to part with this resource and give it to you. I mean, she knows what the purpose is from the very beginning. When she's getting the ingredients and getting ready to put this together, she gets the rotisserie chicken. She makes that homemade chicken broth. She gets the pasta noodles, and she's dicing the carrots and the celery. And then she throws in a little pinch of rosemary, a little pinch of sage. And then she says, just for excitement, let's throw a little black pepper in there. And she kind of mixes it all up. Voila! She's got homemade chicken soup. It is a cure for whatever ails you. And you know what she does with that? She then sends it over to the house for you to have. 
Now, from the moment she put those ingredients together, there was a purpose, and it was that it was going to be released. Never was she going to hold on to it. She was going to send it somewhere else. When you join Shades Mountain Baptist Church, you have not come here just to sit. You've come here to be trained, prepared, and sent out. And we talk about sent out. That means you're sent out into a hurting world. You're sent out to your neighborhood. You're sent out to your place of business, to your ball team, to your civic organization, to your school, or even on the mission field. And this is the place where you get prepared to do that. You can't sit and soak or just hang out on the sideline because the stakes are too high and the time is too short. You are sent. Now, you may end up being sent across the street. Maybe it's over the mountain. Maybe it's across the country, even across the ocean. But as Christ's fathers, we are to be sent 24-7. About a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Montreal, Canada, uh, to preach at La Chapelle Church. And David Pochier is one of our uh, GIC partners, and he'll be here again in a few weeks for the GIC, and just a great, great guy. So he invites me to come to Montreal in January to preach on generosity. And, um, I, and I laughed. I said, you know, you know who your friends are when you figure out what they want you to do? You put me in January, single digits, one foot of snow. And, uh, and I'm preaching on generosity. Ah, that was great. Uh, and, and it turned out amazing. But as, as I've always been my entire life, I'll put together a message. I'll have it ready. And I'll send him a copy because he's going to do translation in French. And then the last minute, I got to change stuff up. You got to tweak it, make it look a little better. So sure enough, I was doing that Saturday. And so Saturday I'm in the hotel and I'm tweaking it up and I got it and then boom, it's on my computer. It's about seven o'clock and I said, this looks good. I think I can go with this. Well, how do you get it from your computer to your hands? I gotta get it print out. So I called downstairs, say, have y'all got a little business center? I said, yeah, second floor. I went up there and for sure I thought they have a wireless printer and all I have to do is just connect and I'm in. I couldn't figure the thing out. Couldn't figure out how to get in it. Then they had a little computer on the side uh, and I couldn't figure out how to get into that. So I run back downstairs and I said, hey, there's a code I'm supposed to have. Can you help me with that? And, and one guy looked a little clueless, and this young gal, she says, hey, I'll help you. Is it okay if I go up there? And she says, yeah. So we're walking up the steps, and she looks at me, and she says, I love your accent. And I said, really? Uh, she said, where are you from? I said, where do you think I'm from? She said, Alabama. Whoa! <laughs> I said, go to the bonus round. Uh, I said, yeah, that's exactly right. And she says, oh, this is, this is we got a wireless printer. This will work. She plays with it, didn't work. Then she said, uh, well, let me get in the computer, give the code over here, see if that worked. Nah, didn't work. So then she said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you email it to me? Here's my address, it'll come to me, then I'll be able to get it, and we'll put it it on this computer, and hopefully it'll go and print out, and we'll just wait on that. And then she said, so by the way, what is it that you've got? I said, it's a sermon. Oh, really? So yeah, I'm preaching at at La Chapelle in the morning, and it'd really be good if I could have this. And so... (laughs) So she takes about the next five minutes talking to me about how sad it is that people use religious rituals uh, to uh, take advantage of others and take advantage of the law. And there were some different things that she was bringing out and talking about all these different things about religious this and that and that. And finally, after she took a breath, I just looked at her and said, you know, uh, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. I said, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And uh, 
And it happened because God loves us so much. And I began to talk to her about how that we're all sinners and sinners that separated us from God and as to why Jesus came, even explained the sacrifices and, and, and why he was our perfect sacrifice. And then he conquered sin, he conquered death. And, and he gives us that hope for eternal life. And I walked through all this and she looks at me and she says, I've never heard that before. I've never heard it put that way before. And I said, and you know, it comes down to it's your choice. Uh, see, you know, the Bible says that, uh, you know, you've got to believe in your heart that God raised from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And when, when you do that, then you become his child. I said, but you get to choose it. It's a gift. But you've got to choose whether you accept it or not. And, um, and that's kind of the way we left it. Because she looked at me and she said, so it is my choice. I said, yeah, it is. And I'd pray that you would choose to receive him. Well, she said, this isn't going to work here. we got to go downstairs. So we walk downstairs. We go to the front desk. She prints it out. She hands it to me. I had some pleasantries, told her thank you, and I walked on. And so I began to wonder. I said, so what happens with, with that conversation that we had? So who knows? And I just keep praying that one day that those seeds, that, that it, will, um, it will lead her to come to, to know Christ. One thing she does have She's got a sermon on generosity that, that she can read about the grace of Christ. And you know the other thing? Is if she does join a church, she'll be a tither. Uh, so, uh, and maybe he'll send me a thank you note. <laughs> so we, who knows? But what does that mean? Sending. Folks, we're 24-7. Every one of us. We're always on call. And that's what live sent means. Sending. I put my yes on the table and I'm ready to go whenever and wherever. Sending. Second word, transformation. Transformation. Live sent is sending, but it's also transformation. Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. What is transformation? Listen, transformation is a radical reorientation in your life that begins in your heart. It is an inside job with outward changes. That's pretty long. We'll leave it up there for just a moment. Once you look at that transformation, it's a radical reorientation. But it's a reorientation that takes inside your life. It's in your life, and it begins in your heart. And it is an inside job that has outward changes. If you looked at the Greek word transformed, it's where we get our word metamorphosis. And so when you think of metamorphosis, you think about when a grub worm becomes a butterfly, and we speak of that as this great metamorphosis has taken place. There has been a marked and abrupt change in the form and structure of this creature. When you talk about the metamorphosis of a caterpillar, you don't say, ooh, he's a faster caterpillar than he was before, or you don't say he's slimmer and sleeker. No. He's completely different. It's a butterfly. It's a totally new creation. And it's an inside job with outward changes. Transformation. A true encounter with God leaves you with a lot more than just good feelings. It leaves you with a changed heart and it is called to a changed life. To experience God and to experience his presence is to be transformed from the inside out. That radical uh, reorientation that begins in my heart and we see things happen on the outside. And all of this reorientation 
is orchestrated by God, your creator. The same one that knit you together in your mother's womb, the same one that gave you your DNA, is the same one that wants to reach inside of you and do a reorientation of your heart. And when he does that, there will be outward changes. Just imagine for a moment that you're out in the forest and you see a dying tree. It's a tree that's dying because of maybe it had, had beetles or had worms in it. And most people would see that as useless, cut it down, and dispose of it. But you know, a master craftsman sees it differently. He actually sees potential. In fact, he will look at the imperfections of the wood of that tree and realize that it can actually provide an even more beautiful look because of it. And so what this craftsman will do is he will take this tree down and rather than dispose it, he will make some rough cuts on the wood. And then he'll put the wood on the lathe and as that lathe spins, he's got a chisel and he begins to cut away the square edges of the board until it's perfectly cylindrical. And then he continually carves it until once was what a dying tree with no purpose is now the shape of a leg for a table. And all it's doing is just waiting for a table to complete its purpose. Everyone else saw a dying tree that wasn't worth anything. But the master craftsman who knew how to use his tools, he saw something different. And he saw the beauty of what this wood could look like. And he saw that there could be potential and there could be a purpose here. And this is what he did. Listen, folks, we are all similar to the dying tree. <laughs> we have got imperfections in our lives and these have caused us to have a broken relationship with God. And this brokenness has resulted in suffering and misery Wandering through life with hurts, no hope, pain, and no purpose. But then God, the master craftsman, when God sees you and he sees me, all of our imperfections, all of our mess-ups, all of our hang-ups, he sees our potential for who we could be. He says, Danny, you're not a dying tree to be discarded. You're a table leg <laughs> with potential. And the good news of the gospel is that God made a way for you with all of your imperfections to be this new creation. And through Jesus' life and death and his resurrection, he makes it possible for you and for me to be a new creation and to have a new identity in Christ. You know, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. From the moment you come to a saving faith in Christ, you die to your old self and you become a child of God. And when you become a child of God, you've got a new identity. It's not an improved you, it's a new you with a new beginning, a new purpose, and a new power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. There is transformation. It is a radical reorientation of your life. It is an inside job with outward changes. But the second thing you need to keep in mind is that transformation is a continuing process that makes us more and more into the image of Christ. It's a present tense. It says you're being transformed, which means that every day this process is continuing and it will continue throughout all of my life. 
and the progressive transformation of the Christian's character by the Holy Spirit, little by little, you will become more and more like Christ. We want to be more and more like the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's what the transformation is. And it's a continuing process. And it says, you say, well, how does this happen? It says you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. That means you need to fill your mind with God's word and the things of God. And it's amazing. When you dig into God's word and you begin to read more about it, you begin to pray more, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in. It's like he takes the blinders off our eyes. And now you're able to see more things of God and understand more of who God is And when you understand the word more, then you want to apply it more, and all of a sudden there's a transformation, which means my heart has changed, but also my actions have changed. So in order for you to have the transformation, you got to give God total access. That means there's no closets. There's no rooms with locked doors. There's nothing off limits to where you say, God, you've got free reign in every area of my life. Not just picking and choosing, not just taking the top three areas of my life, every area of my life. And once you do that and you allow the word of God to get into you and you allow the word of God to begin to do its thing, there will be a metamorphosis. There will be an inner work with an outward reality. Now, you've got to understand, transformation is not instantaneous. You will not go to a Christian bookstore and find 30 days to transformation, okay? It just isn't there. And it doesn't happen at a certain time. It's not like, oh, Danny, you've retired now. You're transformed. No. Every day, I'm having to be more and more transformed. It's a growing process. It's an ongoing, repetitive renewing of your mind, but it is all-inspiring, purpose-driven, life-changing journey for the rest of your life. When you hear your pastor say, live sent, he is saying to you, you got to have your yes on the table whenever and wherever, and he's also saying to you, it comes with a transformed life to where they take that radical reorientation of your heart and be ready to do whatever he wants. Sending, transformation, third world word is influence. Influence. Sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. Now here's the definition. If you look up influence, this is the definition you get. It's an effect of one person on another to move a person to a specific action. Effect of one person on another to move a person to a specific action. Now you should know this. We're influenced constantly influenced by the media, influenced by other people, but there are people that surround us and influence. Our parents influence us. People will influence you as to where you choose to go to college. They'll influence you for maybe what profession that you want to take. They'll influence you by what brand of clothes that you wear. I mean, over and over, when we make decisions, it's usually because somebody has influenced us and has moved us to make a specific action. You know, I, I laugh when people would, would ask me and they say, well, well, who influenced you to go to Auburn University? <laughs> I said, really? <laughs> I said, I guess it was my dad when he sat down. He says, hey, you can go anywhere you want to go to college. I'll pay your way to Auburn. Uh, I said, well, that's a pretty good influence. Uh, <laughs> but you say, well, where did that come from? Well, it came from because all my family went there. You know, I, 
my grandfather was a veterinarian there, and my mom grew up there, and a little cheerleader at the high school there. My, my dad went to college there, played an Auburn nice band there. My sister went there, aunt and uncle lived there. I mean, it was there. My, our burial plots were there. So we're, you know, you're gonna go. There's this influence. And it's funny because you talk to people, because this is the number one question I ask. When they say, I went to so-and-so college, I always ask them why. And sometimes it's a weird choice. I mean, it had, it, to me, it's like it made no sense. But it was somebody that talked to them, that encouraged them, and all of a sudden they chose someplace that was maybe miles away. But it's interesting how that works. That's the influence. This is what we're supposed to do. When you're live sent, you're sending transformed people to influence their world for Christ. It's to influence people for Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, I do everything for the glory of God. And then he wraps it up in verse 33 and he says this, just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, what? So that they may be saved. Everything I do is so they may be saved. Listen, influencing other people is more than just doing good things. But my motivation is to glorify God, to ascribe praise to him. The goal is not for others to say, hey, you're a great neighbor, you're a great boss, you're a great teammate. The goal is for them to say, you serve a great God. You serve a great God. You see, the bottom line, it's not about me, but it's about him. And everything I do is to point people to Jesus and to his glory. What good is your influence if it's merely altruistic? All you're doing is making a person more comfortable as they travel the road to hell separated from God for eternity. We are to use our influence to glorify God and so that more people will come to know Christ as Savior. Influence. It is having an effect on one person and it is moving a person to some specific action. Your goal, glorify God in all that you do. Lead people to saving faith in Christ. Help other believers to better see Jesus as they travel along their own spiritual journey. So what do you do with this influence? Let me give you a couple things. Number one, you mark off your sphere of influence. You mark off your sphere of influence. So where do you get this? In the scripture, that word influence means a rod. It is a measuring rod. And it's a measuring rod that was used to set boundaries for property. So if I'm trying to measure out a land area for you to live in, I use this rod, this influence. It marks it out and says, this is where you are. This is where you will be. And you see, you map out that district and you assign them to their respective parcels of land. And in 2 Corinthians 10, 13, this is what Paul says to the church. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence that God assigned to us to reach even you. God assigned us to you, the Corinthians. We're reaching you. There is an area of influence. And I saw a definition that I loved, and it says influence is your sphere appointed by God. Your sphere appointed by God. Now, folks, this will... Change your mind and blow your mind to know that where you are is your sphere that has been appointed by God. And you begin to, I want to say mark it out, begin to make a list. Your home, your work, your neighborhood, your ball team, your dance ensemble, the men and women you play bridge with, the travel companions, supper clubs, golfing buddies, Facebook friends. Make a list 
and make yourself aware of these fears of influence that God has appointed and you're going to find out it is larger than you imagine. Because everything that you're involved in, that's a sphere of influence. And God gives you that opportunity to be an influence for the person of Jesus Christ. You know, you try out for something, you make a team, that's your influence. You didn't make the team, that means you're going to get with some other buddies over here, that's your sphere of influence. You got the promotion, you got a different sphere of influence. You didn't get the promotion, now this is your sphere of influence. Wherever you are, it's your sphere appointed by God. Now, I retired, and when I retired, God gave me a new sphere of influence. I am now the unofficial chaplain of the Auburn old men eating lunch at Red Lobster every Monday who discuss, dissect, complain, and celebrate Auburn sports. That's who we are. And you got to be old, and you got to be Auburn. You got to be willing to celebrate, and you got to be willing to complain, all right? It's a great group in there. And they found out I'm a pastor, and they asked me to do the blessing one day, and they said, hey, he's pretty good with blessings. So, so I got moved up to the head table. So now every time we get ready to have the meal, before we have the meal, I'm the guy that gets called on to do the blessing. Every so often, I'll throw in a devotion, put a little devotion. If I don't think it's right, I'll use it in the prayer and do a devotion in the prayer. And, uh, and all of a sudden, people have kind of embraced me, and someone even said, you're our unofficial chaplain. Gosh, I did a funeral a couple weeks ago. A person was a member of this church, also a part of that uh, prestigious club uh, there at Red Lobster. and had a man come down to me and said, I want you to do my funeral. I said, well, let me put it on the calendar. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> said, help me out with this. All right, you need to mark off your sphere of influence. You're, you're going to be amazed at how many people you have an opportunity to influence. Number two is this, you need to maximize your influence. Maximize your influence. How do you maximize your influence? You maximize your influence by living like Jesus and obeying his word. Live like Jesus and obey his word and let's maximize influence. Now, anyone that knows me and knows Janice and me, they know we love movies. Love to go to the movies. And the bigger the screen, the better. Isn't that right? Man, nothing worse than to go to some place that's got like 12 screens and the movie you want to see is got a little screen like this. You want the big screen. Man, you walk into that movie and when you walk in and you see that big screen, you go, this is what I'm talking about. It's good. And then all of a sudden, the projector turns on, light begins to shine on the screen and these images come up and the images of the movie and it's beauty and it's majesty and from that moment forward, I am not thinking about the screen. I'm finding myself engrossed in what is happening on the screen. And I'm just taking in the movie for all that it's worth. And when the movie is over, I'm not walking out of the theater saying, hey, that's some kind of great screen. No. I'm talking about the plot. I'm talking about the message. I'm talking about the actors. I'm talking about all about the movie because it was just such an entertaining experience. But you know, I went into a theater one time done this a couple times, and I got there, I got a big screen, and they turned the light on, you know, the projector starts running, and there's a smudge on the screen. It's, I thought maybe it was just one slide. No, it's there. It's there for the whole movie. And then I went to one that had like a pinhole in the screen, a little tear, and so it's like a little bright light comes through it. I just got to be honest with you. It chapped me pretty bad. <laughs> and I'm watching this, and the movie comes up. I'm not into the movie. I see a smudge. 
I got the terror there. Janice is telling me to move on. I keep saying, doesn't somebody here know this? Can't they go fix this thing? Do I need to tell somebody? All right, so you got smudge, you got the light on there. And I'll tell you, it just kind of messed up my movie experience. And when the movie was over and I walked back out of the theater, the, the, the movie didn't quite have the purpose that it wanted to have. It didn't really communicate the message that it should have communicated in my life because I was so fixated on the smudge and the tear. Listen, we are the movie screen. Our lives are the movie screen. We are called to reflect the light of Christ so that people can clearly see his love, his grace, and his mercy. That's what our influence is. But if we've got smudges on our screen and we got tears on our screen, it will make it more difficult for someone to really see the grace and the love and the power and the mercy of our Lord. Because somehow they can't get past the screen to see that. Now, I know we're all not going to be perfect, and we've got our own little smudges and tears, but let this be a challenge to each one of us. See if we can alleviate that as much as possible. Because I don't want there to be anything that will hinder a person from coming to know Christ because of what's going on in my life. I don't want to be the screen with smudges and tears. I'd rather be the clean screen so that once I'm talking to someone, then all of a sudden, they're not even thinking about me. All they're thinking about is the message of Jesus Christ and thinking about who God is and what he wants to do in their life. Then you just let the power of the Holy Spirit work in them. It's not about me, the screen. It's about the light, and it's about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Martin Luther made a great statement. He says, Christians are to live as if Christ died yesterday, he rose today, and he's coming back tomorrow. Live your life like that. He could be coming back at any time. So the last thing, which is the fun thing, is multiply your influence. Multiply your influence. Once you mark out your area, once you maximize it, you get to sit back and watch you multiply your influence. 2 Corinthians 10, 15. Paul, still speaking to the Corinthians. We don't want to boast beyond limit in the labors of others. We're not going to sit here and brag about what other churches are doing, other ministries are doing. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. As your faith increases, it means you get to be stronger Christians. And once you get to be stronger Christians, you're going to tell other people about who Jesus Christ is. And when you tell them who Christ is and they make decisions for Christ, our influence is getting ready to be uh, enlarged because you're going to group over here and say, hey, the Apostle Paul is the one that shared with us. Then he gets over here and these people come to know Christ. And they'll also kind of know about Paul. It's not about him, but it's about Christ. But they know Paul because because these people have said he's the one that told me the good news and all of a sudden Paul's influence has enlarged and has multiplied. And see, that's what you want to see happen. You want to seize that grander vision of reaching people for Christ. You want to pour into the lives of others and help them on their spiritual journey so that you will see your influence multiplying for the glory of God in advancement of the kingdom of God and God can do it in amazing ways. He's asking us, you mark out your territory. I want you to maximize. And he says, God says, I'm going to take it and multiply it. This came home to me 
A few years ago, when we did our 2010 vision, one of the things we wanted to do was a plan a church in Canada, and sure enough, we found a place. Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, a place called Hope. We planted this earth, got a great pastor. We were excited. We followed him, kept up with him for a number of years, and God was doing some great things in that small church. And, and, then, um, and then I knew a situation came up to where he had to go back to the, to, uh, the States. And I uh, always wondered what happened to that church. And I saw a guy at a North American Mission Board meeting from Canada, and I said, hey, could you tell me about a place called Hope, uh, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that church. He says, nah, they're, uh, they're dissolved. And so just as I'm looking down, he says, oh, but hey, you got to hear the rest of the story. He said, you know, that guy, he, he poured into some people in that church. And as soon as that church was dissolving, three families left from that church and traveled to different cities and all three have planted churches. It's like an Apostle Paul type thing. And he says, and, and they are seeing the gospel multiply from those folks. And he said, from that one church, they multiplied their influence there. Is that not cool? See, this is what God can do. And, and he says, I can do it in all kind of ways, but if you will, maximize your influence, God says, I will be able to multiply it and you will see the kingdom of God expanded. Live sent, sending. Put your yes on the table. Whenever, wherever. Transformation. Get into the word of God. Let the Holy Spirit radically reorient your heart. And influence, mark out your sphere appointed by God. Maximize it and watch it multiply. Now that should get you fired up. And that's what Live Sense all about. So our challenge is, let's live sent. Let me lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you so much that as we are talking and we look at this word sent, that your own son said that you had sent him. And that you sent him to come to this earth to pay the penalty for our sins and then to be raised from the dead, conquering sin, conquering death, giving us the opportunity to come into a right relationship with you, an opportunity to be born again, an opportunity to be adopted into your family, an opportunity to be a son and daughter of God. And because of that, Lord, for us that have made that decision, then we want to go from this place and be sent so that we can tell others about who Jesus is and give them the great news. And I pray right now, Father, if there's some here today who said, I, I don't even have that first part, that today would be a day when they would make that decision to say, I want the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created me, designed me, and shaped me, and molds me. That's the one I want to come into my life and to save me. May that be true today. So Lord, we love you. And we thank you for it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.